0: It's a reason why we had the children uh, line up here today. We're still going to teach from the orphan series, but um, the title of our teaching on today is called Statistics. Statistics. Okay, I'm gonna say this, I'll probably say it again several times during this today's teaching, is that um, you can tell what the generational curse is by looking at the youth. All right. If we peer and look into our youth, we can tell what the generational curse is. All right. And so on today, we're going to talk about statistics. Now, we're still talking about the orphan spirit. All right. All of our statistics today will deal with the orphan spirit. It would deal with how households are being torn apart because the father is absent. All right. And what we're going to do with that on the day is we're going to parallel what is going on in society with what is going on in the church. All right. We're going to parallel what is going on in society. If the households are homeless, I mean, are are fatherless, it's only because the church is fatherless. All right. Whatever happens in the spirit manifests in the natural. right and so we're going to talk from she go first on we're going to talk from the title of statistics on today uh now like i said we're still dealing with the orphan spirit all right the orphan spirit is satan himself it is satan himself all right the moment he got kicked out of heaven He made a conscious decision. He made a conscious effort that I would never, ever, ever allow God's children to be comfortable in a relationship again. All right? So he is constantly, consistently, he would not let up. He's going to always make you feel like you have not done enough. He's going to always make you feel like the father doesn't love you. He's going to always make you feel like somebody's against you. He's going to always make you feel like you're misunderstood. Nobody understands you. The, father, the Bible says that the father is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. He laid this thing out. That the moment we get into his face, we get into his presence, we move into his household, he's going to give you your destiny. He's going to tell you your purpose. All you have to do is hear him. But as Jesus said, it's some strange voices out there. Satan voice is a strange voice, but a lot of times your family is too. Your friends, society, social media. Uh Uh-oh, watch this one. Your flesh. See, flesh don't want to say amen. (laughs) The Bible said that the spirit is willing. (laughs) But the flesh is weak.
1: amen. All right, so let us, you look like you already started.
0: (laughs) She was over there talking, having (laughs) communion with Ola. They over there breaking bread. I'm like, okay, you supposed to go first. All right, well, you know, let me freestyle.
1: Indeed, indeed. All right, so let's begin with a couple things that I want to get out before we dive into the scriptures. The first thing that I want to say is that During the Old Testament times, the word orphan most often referred to children that were fatherless and not only isolated to those who had lost both parents. So, however, when our culture thinks about orphans, hardly anyone thinks about the boy or girl growing up in a single mother home. So when we think about the word orphan, we think two parents gone, but we never think about the word orphan as far as single mothers. So I think this is a result of two assumptions in our culture. Number one, first, women can work and provide for families. Therefore, we assume that if a child is financially secure, This eliminates the necessity of the father. So if the woman has the means to take care of the children and everything that she needs, we assume that the kids are good because we got the money to take care of them. But that's a lie. The second thing is the distinctions in gender roles have been bleached Meaning, it's eliminating the idea that men and women make unique contributions to the home. The mother cannot be the father, and the father cannot be the mother. They each bring in something that the child needs in order to make them whole. So, we're going to start with... We're going to start with James... 1 and 27. And it says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So, in looking in that scripture, it's telling you, to look after what orphans and widows. Why? What is it telling you here? When you read this, it's basically telling you provide for those who can do nothing for you in return, because that's what your father did for you. So you're providing the care that orphans and widows need, just like your father did for you when you were not his own, that the, the, The the prerequisite for him coming and giving his love towards you was not the fact that you were clean and had it all together so likewise we provide that same type of nourishment
0: and this is the purpose of the church as you notice it's saying pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God so the church is supposed to be set up a certain way in the sight of God pure and undefiled religion Now, religion in the world is really the search for God. That's why we don't claim that we're not searching for God. Christianity is not a religion. We're not looking for God. He lives in us. We're his children. See, that's a whole nother mindset. But pure and undefiled religion is what? It is in the sight of him is to visit the orphans and to deal with the widows to deal with those who are fatherless, those who are husbandless, which is the condition of the church. Individually, you're fatherless. You need to be reattached, reconnected with your heavenly father. As a body, we need a husband, Christ. So pure and undefiled religion is us coming in here focusing on those two areas. Getting you the relationship with the father, but at the same time, us as a body understanding that we are growing up as one unit to become the bride. I told you in kingdom marriages, it's not like our marriages where we just go out and pick and choose based on whatever, whatever. In the kingdom, your father, as a king, he picks your spouse. He picks your spouse from birth. Your spouse is raised to represent the king's name, although she's not a part of the family. He finds a daughter from another family and says, raise this daughter to represent my name so that when I give my son to her, they both represent my name. We don't do that. We based on your credit score. Oh, Jesus. Your car, how tall you are, how short you are, Short brothers getting played nowadays. I just need to know if you light skinned it, dark skinned it. We gotta. Uh, y'all want me to give it back to her? <laughs> we we base it on things that don't even matter. Is he bad? Is she fine? Get her fine self home, and she don't want to listen. nothing you got to say. She fine and can't hear you. You get him home. He got yeah. He got the muscles. He got the money, but he don't respect you. You got to let your father pick your spouse. You had to let your father pick your spouse. Keena said something that was so deep one day. She said, said, I think it is good that the father, we let the father pick our spouse. She said, because I would have never picked Kirby, but he's perfect for me. (laughs) She said, there's no way she would have ever walked into a place and be like, oh, yeah, that brother right there. But then once the father said, that's your husband, now all of a sudden the blinders come off and it's the finest man in the world to her. He picked, no, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. I'm back on up. man on up. All right. I'm just saying. All right. This ain't an accident. Amen. This not an accident. This, he had to get us together to, get, to call us to do a thing. It's not, a, it's not by mistake, I have a certain gift and she has a certain gift. And when we come together, I give work together perfectly to feed his body. Yes. Amen. Our next scripture, because y'all going to have me up here. Start with
1: verse five.
0: Start with verse What you mean? Okay, okay. Malachi verses four, chapter four, verses five and six. It says, behold, I am going to send Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children to the father so that I would not come and strike the land with complete destruction. Now, I want you to understand this is the last scripture spoken in the Old Testament. It's the last scripture. The first thing he said to man about man is let me make them in my image according to my likeness. Let me give them the world so they can dominate it. That Adam lost that. So the last scripture from the Old Testament going into the New Testament says we have to reunite this relationship. If we don't reunite this relationship, the earth will be cursed. It will be cursed. And so when we talk about statistics today, what we're going to literally talk about is the curses. Because like I said, you can look at the youth and tell what the curse is. You can look at the youth, and you can literally tell this is what's wrong. But watch this. In this family, the curse is removed. Once you enter into the family of God, the curse is now removed. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go through uh, how many statistics do we have?
1: We have ten statistics, but we have a few scriptures after Malachi. Malachi before we get into that so
0: you added a lot of stuff
1: (laughs) so uh, to piggyback on (laughs) what he was saying (laughs) amen to piggyback on what he was saying when it comes to malachi four five through six what i'm getting ready to show you is that the gender has not changed The agenda has not changed, okay? And so, therefore, we're not going to change the agenda. So, the agenda didn't change in the beginning because he wanted children then with Adam and Eve. And the agenda has still not changed. that He still wants sons and daughters that are mature in him. So, I'm getting ready to show you that agenda has not changed for the home and has not changed for the church. So, with Malachi, it said... Before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, God will send the prophet Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So why is this significant? Because Elijah had the same agenda, but he was a prophet and he could only see what was to come. Okay. So Jesus says this promise that we just read about, this promise was fulfilled in John the Baptist. So we're actually going to go through to Matthew eleven thirteen 13 through 15. So you can see that the agenda has not changed. This is not something that we're just making up. So Matthew eleven thirteen 13 through 15, 15 says for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Now, why is that the case? Remember I told you, all the prophets and the law could only do was see what was to come. So they did what? They prophesied, just like it says, until John. Why until John? Until John, because John was actually able to do it. They saw it. John did it. And it says, and if you are willing to accept it. John himself, remember what I said, John himself is Elijah who was to come. The one who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear what? The agenda has not changed. So, John called people to repentance to prepare the way what? For the son, so that the son could get you to the father. This repentance would not only restore the people's relationship to the father, but also the relationship to one another. So when we restore actual the relationship in the home with the father and likewise restore the relationship in the church to the father, then guess what? What what follows after that? The restoration of everything else that follows. So the angel Gabriel, remember, told Zachariah that his son, John will go before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. And he quoted this. And we'll look at it in Luke one and 17. Now. It said that he would do it in the spirit because the same spirit, which was the Holy Spirit, that was influencing Elijah to see was the same spirit that it influenced John to prepare the way. And now that's the same spirit in you that you'll see why this was also your mission. Now, it says in the spirit and in the power, in the power, because that's the mission. The same spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, is the same job and in the power because it's the same mission. You have the same mission they have, but now you have a greater mission. So, Luke 1, 1, 11 through 17. Now, it's a little lengthy, but bear with us because we're showing you that the agenda has not changed. So it says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zachariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Speaking about John the Baptist. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn away Israelites to the Lord, their God. He will be a man with what? The spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people. For the coming of the Lord, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now, that was spoken over him before his birth. So God's messengers and children are responsible for the same restoring of relationships, both the relationships between people and the relationship of the father and those in between. So we'll look at proof, and then I'll turn it over to you. 2 <laughs> Corinthians five eighteen through 19. And it says, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one being Christ that God has shepherding was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgression. And he has what entrusted to us, the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God it's, the mission has not changed. Elijah saw it. John prepared the way. And now we have that same ministry to open the door to allow the restoration of the father towards the children. And it's kind of crazy because that's the reason why one of the reason why Jesus was so upset at the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He said, look, you don't enter into the kingdom and then you don't allow other people to enter in either. Letting him know you don't have a relationship because if you did have a relationship with the Father, you would know that He sent me because you would the words that I speak, you would know that it comes from my Father. But because you can't hear, you can't see, you can't allow nobody else to enter in as well.
0: Which leads us to our first stat: nineteen point five million children. More than one in four live without a father in the home. All right. Now, that number probably is increased. All right. Uh, But the biggest thing I want to do in parallel, parallel in this is to get you to see that the Bible says that by faith we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. So everything that we see was created by that which we don't see. Now, What it's telling us to do is that you have to engage heaven if you want to make a change on earth. When we don't engage heaven, we get issues on on earth. And so he let us know in Malachi that, look, if this if this relationship is not reconciled, I am going to have to smite the land with a curse. So when we look at households that are without the father and that relationship is not there, we can see the curse. Now, if you parallel that with the church, how many churches have the Father in them? It's a lot of churches. How many churches have the Father in it? And what we want to do, what I want to do, because I started, I'm going to start the fight, all right? If y'all want to jump in with me, y'all can. But what I want to do is I'm going to put pressure on the church. Amen. Because it's, it's sad when people are showing up And the only agenda in scripture is to get the father and they're not getting the father. I've said this before. It is a danger to tell an orphan that they have to work their way home. Okay. It's dangerous to show up to a ministry and they can't give you the father. Show up to a ministry and they can't remove the orphan. So what are we doing there? If we're not giving them the father, we're not removing the orphan spirit. What are we giving them? We're not putting them in a household. So all we're building is orphanages. And pastors are governing over them. The one we're going to do next Sunday is going to be called church hurt. Because most church hurt comes because the pastor can't raise you, nor can he remove the orphan. And the father knows what he wants. So when he sends them somewhere where they can get it, they get mad, and the whole con- the pastor and the whole congregation cut you off. But that's not what we're talking about today. Stat two.
1: <laughs> amen, amen. So stat number two: the removal of the father in the home increases the risk of poverty. And so how that translates over to the church is that the removal of the father in the church creates children of God who don't rely on their father to supply all their needs and works by self effort to get everything and the provision is from the relationship plus he gives you a system to live off of so when the father is removed out of the church you guess what you start working to obtain yourself you don't seek out your destiny you don't seek out your purpose you don't seek out the scripture where it literally says he gives you the power to gain wealth. You don't seek out any of those things because those things have to be. There's a lot of stuff that we will teach here that has to be activated in you. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because as you hear it, your not only does your faith increase, but it activates something in you that you're supposed to receive in regards to your inheritance. So you begin to live off what? That system. And it's so crazy because if you think about it, the world always wants to give you what they think that you're worth. Whether that be $50,000, $60,000, $70,000. And the thing about it is, if you think about it, they're not even using all of you. They're just using you to actually do something specific for their corporation. But to be honest with you, all of your gifts are not even being used. So how in the world are you worth just $60,000? But when you begin to literally work for yourself, you know all that has been entrusted in you. That's what the father say. Acknowledge every good thing that is in you. There is several good things in you, but you have to acknowledge that. In order to activate that, and guess what? Then it comes from what? You're getting several streams of income from several different places because you're using all the gifts that he has given unto you. Therefore, no man in this world can actually tell you what you're worth. So you're really lowballing yourself when you go work for another person.
0: That's a stair stepper, okay? Okay. You, you can you can get a job, but that job should be to establish the kingdom where you are and to use that money as a seed to start your harvest that's it you know that we don't this is not our plan. we're not here okay to work thirty years for you if you sign up if if you did this, i apologize I apologize beforehand because if for you to get a job and have a plan to work for somebody else for 30 years. You had to abandon your vision. You can't tell me the father put you on earth and said, I want you to work for them for 30 years, retire, and get a gold watch. Amen. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Amen. Social security, which after you retire, now you're now you working at Walmart. <laughs> because the money doesn't add up. And I'm thinking about even like, even in just looking at, I was having a conversation about, you know, even about the election stuff. And I'm not going to get into that. We're going we'll talk about that uh, another time. But the government can never stop you from getting what the father wants you to have. Okay. The, fa- the government can't stop you from getting your destiny. We don't need the government to make a place for us. If you're missing your destiny, it's because you're not connected. And like, and like Dr. Hardy was saying, he gave us a system of giving. Watch this. Giving should be a stream of income for you. It should be a stream of income. You should keep money on you to give away because you constantly plant harvest and you know this is going to come back. Why? Because the word said, "It shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall other men give into your bosom. That should be a stream of income for you. You should keep cash on you just to, when you see somebody, to give it away.
1: Amen. Amen. So, stat number three. Two. Two. Three. Two. Three. Two. Three. Right. Are we at three? We're at three. Stat number three the removal of the father in the home. Basically, it, when you remove the father from the home, you are two times at a greater risk of infant mortality. You are two times at a greater risk of in, infant mortality. So, how does that look like for the church? So, when you remove the father in the church, it creates the same thing in regards to infant mortality. It creates what? The orphan spirit, it creates children with no vision. And no room for sonship to be taught, so children have the the grace to grow into full, mature sons and daughters of God. It's literally infant death.
0: Yeah, because because this is this is it right here. We removed the father from the church, and now when the pastor stands up, he's just looking at service servants. He's just looking at servants. If I'm not here to raise you. I'm here to use you to build my ministry. If I'm not here to raise you, I'm here so you can build my name up. If I'm not here to remove the orphan, I'm here so you can build my name up. So you can go out and tell people, come here, McKinley and Dr. Hardy. All right, let that marry.
1: And also in regards to to infant mortality, what does that mean? Destinies are killed. Visions are killed. Stuff that God is trying to birth out of you, that's killed. All of it is killed. Infant mortality in the church.
0: You you, you, You abort your destiny. You abort your marriage. Because like I told you, the church has taught us that God feels like this. If we don't do what he tells us to do, he's going to get rid of us. So what do I do when she don't do what I tell her to do? My first thought is get rid of her. (laughs) Why? Because the church has not taught us what to do with that relationship. Because why? We don't know what the father would do with us. But the more we come in here and we release uh, the thought process that he's patient with you, it helps you to be patient with others. Amen.
1: Amen. All right, stat number 4. Adolescent boys who do not live with their father are more likely to carry guns and deal drugs. Now, how does that relate over to the church? the removal of the father in the church creates orphan thinking children who try to provide for their own protection and provide financially for themselves through self effort. So I'm not trusting God to protect me. I'm not trusting God to protect my family. I'm not trusting God to protect my children. Therefore I start providing my own protection. I start carrying around my own protection and not allowing the father to actually protect everything that I have. Even with the situation, for instance, with the whole pandemic, you have people that have rested in God and have peace about the situation that look, I'm covered in the blood. What, what's the need for him by his stripes? He said he took all of that. Is he saying by his stripes, he took all of that, but the coronavirus? No. The, all of that is inclusive into that. So, you know, even in, as you walk in places, I'm already covered. I'm already covered. What, what am I fearing for? What, what's the fear? So, so basically you're saying that the coronavirus is more powerful than he is. We, we got to get back to a place where the stuff that we are reading is actually our life. We're living it. It's not something that we just say that, I oh, I trust God. I'm highly favored. And No. Do you believe that when circumstances and situations come to shake your foundation, yes. what are you standing on? Then that's the time to show that you trust him, right. that he provides protection for you. That's
0: right. That's right. Now, what's crazy is I was listening to a pastor, and it's someone I, I respect very well, but once this pandemic came out, It exposed a lot in preachers, okay? It exposed a lot. Now, I'm not talking about the the person. I'm talking about what was said. They came out their mouth and said, God said he would heal us, but he didn't say he would protect us from plagues. Hmm. No, because you got to have an excuse or a reason why you shut your ministry down and you're supposed to be divine. You have to have a reason, okay? So they give all these crazy reasons that you got to protect the people. We are protecting them. That's right. We getting them connected.
1: That's right. Amen. Amen. Stat number 5. Fathers who are involved in the home reduce parental stress on the mother.
0: Come on ladies, say amen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when the father is revealed it helps the children of god to number one digest the word better and as a result the word the church and the spirit begins to parent you so when fathers who are involved in the home it reduces stress on the mother because i don't have to play two roles i don't have to be the father and the mother you causing the child confusion so because what he's supposed to be getting from you is that nurturing side of you, from as far as the mother is concerned, that uplifting side. The, what the mother does for children is they actually give them the actual the self-esteem that they need. The father gives the validation of who you are. This is who you are, and that's why we got a lot of teen girls searching for counterfeit love as validation because their father was not in the home. So now I gotta search out to other other boys in order for them, for just for them to say, oh, you looking good, what? that That's melting me right there. But when if you had a father telling you that you're pretty, you're beautiful, you're enough, then when a boy comes and says that, that's like, that's nothing.
0: My daddy told me that already. I already knew that. <laughs> I already knew that. Somebody's already hugged me and told me I was beautiful, so I hear what you're saying, but I've already been told that. That ain't nothing new. Matter of fact, I ain't going to start with mine. <laughs> she, I know. <laughs> Amen. She said, I know. I mean, I ain't trying to be rude, but you beautiful, young lady. Yes, I know. Thank you. Whatever.
1: So that doesn't become a stronghold for her, that now she's led away and led astray by someone who is what? Does, that's what she was supposed to receive in her household.
0: And, and I wanna piggyback on what she was saying. She said, when the father's revealed, it helps the children of God to digest the word better. Because we teach the father in this ministry, it, it provokes you to wanna read the word. If I teach you legalism, you don't wanna keep finding stuff, I don't, I shouldn't be doing this, I shouldn't be doing that, all right? And it enables that when you come to church, okay, you're able to hear better. When you read the word, like I told you, when you read the word, you should read the word as if you are in the father's household. That helps you to digest it better. It is hard to digest the word when it's legalistic. When we're not telling you what, who you are, you know how many scriptures in the Bible to tell you who you are? There's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that tell you who you are in Christ, but, but the church have never heard it. Mm. It's too many of these. We'd be doing this all day. (laughs) So we just chose 10 because these statistics are, I mean, they're crazy.
1: I also wanted to point out what statistic number five before we move on to number six is that when it says that the father also when it says when the fathers who are involved in the home reduce parental stress on the mother and kind of how that looks also spiritually is that when the father is introduced and revealed in the church, it allows the Holy Spirit to do his job easy. It's easy for the Holy Spirit to do his job to what to lead. God teach and you to all what to all truth so it's easy job but when the father is not introduced and the holy spirit is trying to do what for instance get you to um become an entrepreneur that's hard it's hard you hear but you're like mm, it's a thought The Holy Spirit is trying to influence you. Come on, you can do this. But when you know that you are a child of God, when you know that all your needs are supplied for, when you know your Father has your back, then it becomes easy for the Holy Spirit to do His job. What to raise you? It's less stressful.
0: Amen. Which is kind of we gonna kind of the. uh a similar stat in stat six. It says children who live with their father do better in school. The reason why is because raising kids are about two things, environment and example. Environment and example. It's a difference between raising a kid and providing for a kid. Money provides for a child. Money doesn't raise a child. That's why a child has to be in a father's household in order to be raised. I have children outside of of my family, and I can't raise them. I have a daughter that she's 14 years old, and I can't raise her. She comes to visit me every summer, and the battle that we have is that she's in a different household now. Different rules, different regulations. We handle ourselves totally different, but she's here for me for, for a month. I can't re-raise her. So what I have to do is is just allow her to do certain things but correct her, but I can't treat her as if you should be doing this. And, I, and, and sometimes it causes conflict in the house because my children are like, well, you will get us for that. I know that's because I'm raising you. This is instilled in you. You hear my voice every day. You see my face every day. She doesn't. So if if I did that when she came into town, it would be abuse. And so the only way the father can raise us is if we are in his household. But most people don't want to come to his household because they think the church is a slave ship. So the stat says children who live with their dads do better in school. Now, when the father is revealed and taught in the church, it frees up the children to learn more, gives room for growth correctly without skipping stages or having undeveloped parts of the soul. It removes guilt. When we teach the father, it automatically removes guilt. When we walk you through the five stages of sonship, it completes you. When we tell you about the orphan spirit, show you about the orphan spirit, and just the revelation of the father automatically unfolds what the scriptures are really about. Some churches really think Jesus is their father. When the Bible clearly says that he who is sanctified and those that are sanctified have one father, so he's not ashamed to call us brother, but the church say he our daddy. So it's difficult for you to learn even in a church when the Father's not introduced to you. When I'm introducing you the Mosaic law. Now if I'm introducing you to the Mosaic law, all I'm saying is that I'm trying to get you out uh, out of the world and bring you to heaven. That's what Moses' job was. Get them out of Egypt and bring them to the promised land. Not knowing that the promised land was his household. The promised land was not supposed to be heaven. I went from from seventh grade all the way to my freshman year in college without hearing my mother's voice. Without hearing my father's voice, my auntie and uncle took me in. They weren't dead, they weren't in jail. They just were disconnected. And I'ma tell you, I wanna think about no education. I wanna think about no math. I wanna think about no science. I'm thinking, where are my parents? Where are they at? What are they doing? Why haven't they called me? It's been three years. I won't think about no science. That's why I tell my kids, y'all got a perfect environment. I don't hear no excuses. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We put you in the environment. We, we looked at our situation. I grew up without both parents. Auntie and uncle took me in at, at the, in the eighth grade. She grew up with her mother. I met her when she was 18. She didn't meet her father until she was 30. He stayed with us for two months and died. When your father is not there, it, what, what happens is it's a part of your soul that goes undeveloped. That's why as men, when we get into marriage, We always hit a wall when father wasn't there to show us, okay, this is what you should do. A two-parent household is supposed to show you, son, this is how you treat a woman. This is how you respond to a woman. This is how you talk to a woman. The the woman is supposed to show the daughter. This is how you talk to a man. This is how you deal with a husband. When one of those are missing, Mm -hmm. they, they want the relationship, but they're not equipped.
1: Amen. He was touching on exactly where I was going, yeah. too. <laughs> you
0: ain't the only one prophetic.
1: Amen. <laughs> it was the, having the, the undeveloped parts of your soul. So just on a personal level, just like he was saying, me being in a single mother household raised by a single mother, she did everything that she possibly could for me, and I honor her for that. But at the same time, I realized she didn't equip me to be a wife. She was a great mother. So she, she gave me some skills uh, as being a mother. But how, what I'm basically trying to say is that when you are a parent and you are married, you can't, you're carrying two roles. You are a wife and you are a mother. So when you're raised in a household, you're supposed to be getting that. From your parents, how to be a wife, how to be a mother. So like I said, she was a great mother. So those skills in me, the mothering part in me is is good. It's there. But the wife part was insufficient. I had nothing. And so what ended up happening is that because, for instance, the number one thing when we do marriage counseling, the problem that they always come up with, they say, is communication. That's always number one on the list when when we talk to people always 100% always You're like what are you here for today oh I just feel like you know we just don't communicate <laughs> we don't communicate you know we just don't understand one another and so I'm saying that is that that skill that I was supposed to get as a wife that communication piece how to communicate with a man how to communicate with my husband was not there it was an undeveloped part of my soul It was underdeveloped. So what ended up happening is that anytime I would ever see my mother actually interact with a man, she was always arguing with him. Pulling knives out on him, all kind of stuff. My mama, she was holy, but you mess with her, she gonna pull a knife out on you.
0: (laughs) She can't be both now, come on sister.
1: (laughs) I'm serious, you get up, I'm telling you, like clockwork, get up exercise pray 3 a.m. in the morning uh read the word but like I say if you mess with it it's it's all over with so what ended up happening I ended up getting those communication skills so when he wanted to love me
0: what did I do (laughs) no no she didn't pull a knife (laughs) Right, knives never had. I will attest to that. All right, I'm, I ain't pulled no knives now. <laughs> I got it back. Now y'all, y'all was on point. Now y'all wasn't wrong for what saying it, but she didn't put no knife on me. All
1: nah, right. nah. I omitted that part. You know, like no, nah, I ain't going to pull no knife on nobody, but my tongue became a knife.
0: Okay. Amen.
1: Okay. Now,
0: look. Yeah. Tell her the tape. <laughs> I'm tall today. With- with high heels on tell her to take. I'm six two, she's four foot eleven. Amen. Five. I'm just saying, tell her to take. And she talked to me like I'm four eleven and she's six two. I'm like Amen. Amen. So 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 this is what I told her. One day she was barking and I looked at him like, okay. And she was just, nah, you know, you know how you know how it work. Come on, y'all know how y'all. I ain't got the rhythm for it. All right? See, yeah, Terry, right? And you know what I told her? She was barking loud. I said, why don't you pray like that? Right.
1: Mess me up.
0: And- <laughs> Mess me up. And so that person y'all see walking across this stage? Praying? Because she had a husband that watered her with the word. Amen.
1: Amen. So, yeah. So, now I use that in prayer, that tenacity in prayer.
0: Don't bring it to me. Bring it to God. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't messing with that right there.
1: Amen. (laughs) So, back to what I was saying. (laughs) Is that I begin to use my tongue as as a knife to cut him. But it was the father who actually gave me the revelation of what was happening to me because I wasn't allowing him to love me. And all he wanted to do was love me. Mm -hmm. But that was so unfamiliar to me because I've never seen it before. I've never seen a man and a woman love one another. I always seen them arguing. And so when he just wanted to love me, I'm like, that's not familiar. So I literally would sabotage, I would try to sabotage the relationship just so I can go back into a comfort zone, even though it was dysfunctional. But it was my comfort. It was my comfort. And so the father had to reveal to me, let him love you. You're, You're the one who's sabotaging the relationship. It's not him. You're doing it on purpose because his love is unfamiliar to you.
0: Now, I ain't messing with that. I'm not messing with y'all. I'm going to give you all the stuff afterwards. Seven. 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 All right. Oh, no, that was six. No, that wasn't either one. That was some stuff she came off the hip with right there. Oh, it was
1: number six. It was part of number six. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, y'all heard everything she just said? Y'all my witnesses in case we have to go to marriage counseling. All right. Y'all heard what she said. I was trying to love her and she wouldn't let me. Uh, now y'all quite no amen, no nothing. See, this is the stuff I'll be talking about right here.
1: <laughs> but you know what? It's a. I will tell you this. It's a process. Yes, it is. It's is. a process. Yes, it is. Because I still sometimes try to revert back. You know, I still do that sometimes, but I have to catch myself when that happens. Really, the Holy Spirit reminds me because I still got this wall up of basically what I was doing. Let me remove myself before you hurt me. But he wasn't trying to hurt me, but I, was, you know what I'm saying? I was doing it before I felt like you're going to do it, so let me do it first. And so it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Of not because I'm thinking that he's gonna, he's not gonna be there like nobody was there for my mother. And because nobody was there for my mother, you're not gonna be there. If my daddy wasn't there for me. Who are you?
0: Let me. Watch this. And this ain't even, this ain't the relationship series. I
1: know, right? It's okay. just coming out.
0: All right. <laughs> All right. Her, we sat on Easter sunday when we heard the first year we got married and her mother sat there in front of us and told us our marriage would not work told her why would a man love you forever in front of she me did. Now, the one behind my back it wasn't no, she,
1: did. she didn't send
0: no text it wasn't in our dm in front of our face she was married for 17 years and it ended but this is the thing you have to know about her mother okay this is the thing you have to know about her mother, is that her mother had some neighbors, all right? Yes. And the neighbors didn't have any children. So her mother gave her away to them. Yep. Gave her away. You can have this one.
1: Just And she. Could imagine you got been. a neighbor
0: and your neighbor doesn't have a child, so you just... Well, we give him a lana come on lana we'll go with them how would she feel y'all don't want me so she never had the feeling of someone loving her wanting her so what she do she tried to embed in her you will never be happy because i was never happy That's
1: it. That's it. amen amen amongst uh, some other stuff all
0: right stop that we won't go number into number seven Number all right. seven: all right The <laughs> removal of the father in the home creates children who are more likely to go to prison, and this is why in the home, if there's no structure in the home, there's no structure in society. If they can't hear authority in the household, they won't hear authority outside the household. All right? In the same way, the removal of the father in the church creates a field of bondage Amen. in the church. Yes. We shouldn't have oppression in the church. We shouldn't have depression in the church. But it's in the church because the Father's not in the church. Because we know God as a legalistic God who wants to make us do everything and we think that he's more concerned with his rules and his regulations than he is with us. So, because of that, they always, you always have a feeling that you're going to be punished. That's why the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. So what are you looking at? You're looking at that once we move into the father's household, we're moving in there to be loved. But not just any type of love, a love that removes all types of fear. We shouldn't fear punish, punishment from him. The Bible said that the peace of God should rule your heart. It can't rule your heart if you think he a terrorist. If you think every mistake that you make that you're going to get a beating, that every mistake you make, he's going to reject you now. Every mistake you make, as soon as something don't go your way, you start to think, okay, what did I do wrong? You go out an application for a job, you don't get the job. The first thing you think, God, what am I doing wrong? Maybe I want you to start a business. Maybe I got something bigger for you. Maybe you going for this $10 an hour job and I, I want to give you $50 an hour. You see, it's a different thought process when you know him as a father because when you know him as a father, you know that he has your well-being. Plus, in the natural, a rich person does not like to write a $25 check. So in the spirit... That's why I tell you, somebody give you $20, that's not a blessing. That's a pity. The Bible says without dispute, the greater blesses the lesser. Stat number eight. The removal of the father in a home means that the child is more likely to commit a crime. Now, removal of the father in the church creates legalistic children. Who always walk around on eggshells. You are not supposed to live this life trying not to sin. Come on now. In 2010, I told God, look, you have to kill me because I'm not doing this no more. I was a part of an apostolic denomination, everything was wrong. Short sleeves, wrong. She couldn't wear earrings, couldn't wear makeup. That right there, that's a sinner in, in their eyes. This is a complete sinner. This person would not see heaven. They told us, watch this. Now, this is the stupidest thing, but it showed me how stupid I was. They told us we couldn't wear our beards. We couldn't wear our beards. We couldn't wear short sleeves. Come on, this right here would make women lust because they're looking at my arms. So you can't do that, brother, because you're making them lust. Y'all listen. <laughs> it's goofy. So I told, I'm like, look, God, I can't do this. You're gonna have to kill me. I quit. And that's when he introduced me to Miles Monroe and the kingdom. And after that, once I found what the life looked like, I went full force. But you can't live this life walking on eggshells, trying not to make a mistake. Like I told you, when he found you, you like 100% sinner. Now that he got you in his house, first day in the house, it's like, okay, I don't want to see no more sin out of you ever again. Or I'm sending you back to the false home. That's how we live. And the Bible lets us know that the only thing the law could do for us is what? Tell us you're wrong. You're wrong, but it can never change you. Which means if all I do is tell y'all, come in here and preach and tell y'all, Renee, you're wrong. Shouldn't wear your hair like that. Sierra, them earrings, shouldn't do it. That chain hanging too low, sister. Brother, you shouldn't wear them glasses in here. That's disrespectful to the pulpit. I'm seeing reflection of myself. Come on now, tighten up. Uh, Q, brother, this ain't New York. Take the Timberland. Don't bring the Timberlands back to the church. All right? I'm saying. That's what they do. They find things to pick to pull, to, just to show you, make you feel like you're wrong, so you keep coming back. And the foolishness of people is they keep showing up. They keep showing up. Because somehow they've convinced them that if you don't show up so I can tell you that you're wrong, God is not going to prove to you. But as long as you sit here in this bondage, he's for you. I told you, we're putting pressure. We're going to put pressure on church. We're going to put pressure on them. Why would you show up to a place and you don't know where they're taking you? You have no idea what you're growing into. That's why we did church one-on-one. The first thing you need to know when you come to a church is, why am I showing up? Hmm. All right. Y'all religious.
1: (laughs) And let me say this. Um, Two things... While we were at that place in that church, it being so legalistic, I wish you guys would have seen the youth. The youth, they, we, they had so much in them, but they were in a place where that couldn't be developed, they were never told that they were loved. God loved them. It was always what
0: they wasn't doing. You the devil. You all. ungodly. You unholy. You gonna bust hell wide open. This is all you. This is all they heard. <laughs> this is all they heard. Yes. That's it. That's all you heard. Like, well, how do you mm-hmm. grow with that? Yes. Yes.
1: It's yes. so, us being young adults, and this is we still young. <laughs> But us being young adults in that, we lost our identity. We literally lost our identity spiritually and naturally. We did. When we moved to Georgia, it's
0: <laughs> I had to talk her into wearing pants.
1: He did. It was it was a struggle for me. That's how much they had us just locked in like that. I would put the pants on and I feel guilty and I take the pants back off.
0: And this pajama pants, we weren't even going nowhere.
1: I'm serious. Yes, yes. We at the house. Yes.
0: We weren't even going nowhere. It ain't like we were going to a, a church event. And you're like, I don't know. If we could walk in there like that. We at the house. She can't leave the room. That's bondage.
1: <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> this is funny, y'all. This ain't. This ain't so, not that
0: serious.
1: I know, but I gotta tell. This Got is funny. This is funny. So while we was at that church, I used. I worked for a. Um, um, a physician, a family, a family practice. Mm. This is before I became a doctor. <laughs> I work for a physician's office, and so of course I'm in that whole apostolic denomination thing, and I'm serious about. Yes, long, I mean long too, y'all can't even see my ankles. it's super long, you can't see nothing.
0: That's, Absolutely nothing. That's what the woman told her. She wore a skirt one day. And it, was you, it was just like, a and little her knees, <laughs> And and a woman said, "I didn't even know you had ankles."
1: <laughs> oh, she did. She did. Like literally, that's how much in, in bondage we were. We we literally, when we got to Atlanta, we had to figure out what we like, what we like to do. We had we literally, it was like you said, it was brainwashing. We had to figure out who we were what we like to do, the things that we like to see, everything. Like even we had, even as the children would say, we had lost our drip. (laughs) We did. We literally lost our style because we had a, before we came to God, we had personality and we had style. But being in that faith, you like, you lose everything. Literally, we were
0: stripped of everything. Dress pants, tighten the thighs. (laughs) I don't, I don't own a suit. <laughs> I, asked, I asked my leader one day three things. I said, if we got truth, why we don't own none and they own everything? He said, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out myself. Okay, strike one. Strike two, why don't we teach the kingdom and we teach apostolic and apostolic's in the Bible one time and kingdom is in the Bible over 500? I don't know. Strike two. The last one was, why come I can't, if I can't wear my beard, why God keep letting it grow? <laughs> why he let my beard grow if I, he said I can't wear it? Won't he just stop it from growing? If he don't want me to wear it and he called me to preach, why he keep letting my beard grow? That was strike three. Now <laughs> like you got no answers for me. Them are simple things. I didn't ask you who, where my who's my father. These are simple things, simple questions. This is the issue. People are not even asking their leader, why don't we teach sonship here? Why aren't you removing the orphan? Why isn't that a focus? Why did Jesus say He won't leave us orphans, but you leaving us orphans? Why he talks about this relationship, ministry of reconciliation so much, and we never talk about it. Why are we servants of the Lord, but a divine generation, they sons of children of God. I want to put pressure on them. Amen. Because people are not growing up. They're not growing up. They're growing into Pharisees. And what happens is, the person who's the most disciplined is the most anointed. Mm -hmm. The person who has the less issues, and most of the time, this is how it looks. You have people in church, and some people grew up with their parents. They got less head issues than people who didn't grow up with their parents. Mm -hmm. Some people have education so they can get better jobs. They have a boldness about themselves. And so we see the people who make more money and the people who have less issues as being the ones who are anointed. I'm in all our house. I'm in the church, period. Amen. You can't tell me the father's pleased with the church. You can't tell me he sent his son to die for this. No, I wouldn't get mine. Like I told you, we were told, like, look, when you die and go to heaven, you're going to be standing in line and God going to have a list of stuff and say, you, okay, let me see what you did for me while you was on earth. Fine, uh, you didn't do enough. Send you to hell. How us doing chicken dinners and everything. <laughs> I'm serious. Yep. See who can get the most? We were in bondage, y'all. When I tell you, I got beef with religion. Y'all might not understand, I got a serious beef with religion because I know what it did to me. I was mad at the father when I got here. I'm like, why would you send me through this? Because you need to see, because you need to see that the church is not up against sinners, but religion. Jesus had no problem with sinners. It was with the Pharisees. It was with the Sadducees. It was with the scribes. We fighting sinners. We fighting the commodity. The icon, the ones he died to bring to the family is the very ones we running away because we're talking about what they're doing wrong. Amen. You started that one. <laughs> T-
1: Number ten. The removal of the father in the home creates girls who are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen so how that relates is that the removal of the father in the church creates sexual immorality and immaturity underdeveloped churches developing underdeveloped churches and children having children naturally which translate over to the blind leading the blind
0: and so we're not raising children nowadays, we're actually growing up with them we're growing up with kids because nobody raised us so I'm like 42, finally like okay hey, I'm a dad <laughs> no seriously, because when, you, when it, it, look you don't just magically become a father You don't magically become a wife, a mother. This stuff takes, you have to have the right information presented to your soul. This is a learned behavior. This is not something that, because I have a child, now I'm a father. No. <laughs> because I can give birth to a child. I'm a mother. My sister, my oldest sister, had her first child when she was 14. 14. Now, when she had the child, both of my parents had abandoned her. She's living in a project by herself at the age fourteen, by herself. Because of that, the father wasn't around. The mother, the mother wasn't around. My oldest sister was raped at gunpoint. She was kidnapped, took in from Chicago to Mississippi, put in a tub, They froze the stitching cord and beat her. I can't even have a conversation with her. But that's what happens when the father's not around. When the, if the father's around, ain't no molestation? ain't no abuse. All those things happen because of the household was without. That's why I am hell-bent on getting the father in this household because you have to grow up right. We're going to have good marriages. Amen. Amen. Okay? We're going to represent what a husband look like. We're going to brag about how great of a husband we are. You're gonna brag about how great of a wife you are, how great of a mother. We're gonna brag about those things. Those are bragging points, but you don't hear people brag about that. I'm a great husband, I know it. Because I put the intention into it, I do it on purpose. It's intentional. You have to be intentional about being a good mother, even being a good child. You have to be intentional about that. Not them to us, but even us to him. You have to be intentional. Mm. Amen. Mm. All right, we're about to close in a second. Y'all learning something? Amen. 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 So, first Peter four and seventeen. It says For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is difficult, with difficulty, that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? So the scripture is letting us know that judgment starts at his household. So if there are going to be good marriages, it starts here. It's not out there because it's not in here. The judgment starts here. It starts in his household. It starts with us. If we don't become children, if the divine generation is not established, how do other churches see that you need to put the father in the church? I told you, we are, he didn't just put us here for no reason. He put us here to set a standard. Let me read this again. It says, for it is time for judgment to begin at God's household. So, what is that saying? We established a standard. We established a standard in his household. But watch this. How can we establish a standard in his household if we have not even been introduced to his household? So we have to introduce you to his household. Then watch this. We have to, this, this is how it has to happen. The children need to be in the household and the father in the household. What's happening now is it's a lot of children of God in church, but there's no father there. It's just a pastor. You need both. That's why in this ministry, look, we're not begging you to come to church. That's not our goal. You need to be in the household. Every day you wake up, you should wake up in your father's household. His presence. Good morning, Father. What is it that you have for me to do today? Your mind, your heart, and your soul should constantly be in his household you shouldn't wake up in your household you shouldn't wake up with a day of okay i already know what i'm gonna do where you get them instructions from this is how we're getting ourselves in trouble but he let us know the standard starts with us it says if it begins with us what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel and if and if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved What will become of the godless man and the sinner? So if we are in a household, connected to the vine, growing up, what is going to happen to them? There's no conviction in the body of Christ because there's no standard. There's no household. And so now your church is anointed if the worship is good. The Bible says anointing destroys yokes. You've been yoked to Adam. we got to get you out of Adam and get you into Christ. Once you're in Christ, we got we to convince you that, look, your father wants you to grow up to be this type of child. We are the standard. Amen? Amen? So, that's why in this environment, we have to teach, we have to preach, and we have to create an environment where you can grow up. That's why this has to be an environment where you can make mistakes. Well, you can leave because Satan tricked you out of something, and you can come back and we ain't like told you so. That's right. come on. I'm about to go into next week's sir, sir, <laughs> teaching.
1: Before you uh, move on, I wanted to say just to kind of um, show you how things take root in your household and how it actually translate over into the church. Um, when and a lot of us can contest to this, that when we were growing up, we had the type of parents that said, don't ask no questions because I told you to do it.
0: Or, or mm-hmm. don't correct me. Yes. You don't correct no adult. What if you wrong? So they raised children that says, you don't correct me. Yes. Which, which, which means that we raise pride, they raise prideful kids prideful children I got a whole family full of, my men who, my, uh, of men in my family who think the same way you can't tell no man what to do, what you mean you can't tell no man what to do how, is this, how, is it, how does this work every man in our family just do what they want to do, nobody thinking about the family I had one of men in my family screaming at me because I demand a standard you ain't the barometer of what a man is. Well, who is? Somebody got to be. If there's a family, if there's a household, somebody has to be the barometer of what a man looks like, of what a man sounds like, of what a woman looks like, of what a woman sounds like. If it's a household, if it's not, if it's not a barometer there of a husband, a wife, and parents, it's not a household.
1: Amen. So I mess up your thought process? I'm sorry. <laughs> you kind of did. I'm sorry. <laughs> but in saying that, when we bring that to a family, and we're, and that's part of the culture of the family to say, don't ask no questions. You do what I said because I said for you to do it. And you don't allow the children to ask you questions. And you answer them. It creates this thing in the church where whatever the pastor says is, is golden. People don't open their Bibles. They don't read it.
0: No studying.
1: They don't do no studying. It, whatever comes across the pulpit, if the pastor said, is the truth. Not knowing that you literally couldn't be being deceived. Just like we was in a faith where we thought it was the correct thing until, guess what? We heard another word. We saw something else. But until then, that couldn't be broken. Then on top of that, When we create that kind of standard and say, don't ask no questions and do what I say, then we approach the father the same way. Because it it reminded me, I was was talking to my mother and I was telling her that I often ask the father questions when I'm praying because I need to know some stuff. (laughs) Like, when am I supposed to move? um you know is this season for this thing up right now um what are you trying to do with this situation because I don't know what's going on what's going on with my kids like what are you doing in this season I'm always asking questions and you know what she proceeded to say to me but then that's when I realized it was just part of that culture she said to me well I wouldn't ask I wouldn't be asking God no questions I don't I don't I don't what did she say she said I don't question his authority And I was thinking to myself, I'm not questioning his authority. I'm his child. I'm asking my father some questions. And so that's when I realized that that has crept up in the church. Because that culture was in your household. That's the culture of the church. But the thing about it is we think about Moses and Abraham and all of them that were not his children. And they contended with God. It said, you know what, if I find five people, five faithful people, will you not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And he's like, yeah. Then he come back like, "Wait, wait a minute, I may not find five. What about if I find two or three or one? And but he had already decided what he was going to do, but this was a servant contesting with him, interceding. And it's like, so if I'm his child, then why can't I contest some things? Why can't I intercede for some things? I know you showed me, Father, that this person may get into a car accident, but I'm praying that you will protect them. I'm praying that this would not happen to them. I don't know what they did, but, Father, restore them send somebody let them have a, a, a miracle a sign a wonder an experience with you but why cannot we do that too so just letting you know that a lot of cultural things that you have in your family it seeps in through your relationship with the father
0: amen because even when even when Moses started that com- Moses started that conversation off like this. Soon he told him that I'm about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, Surely the, the, the righteous God would not do such a thing. He called him out on it. <laughs> all right, our last scripture John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. And it says, And he, being Jesus, made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables, 16. And to those who were selling doves, he said, take these things away from here. Stop making my father's house a place of business. Stop just collecting tithes and offering." Stop starting churches to have a career.
1: Amen.
0: Huh? Amen. Get this stuff out of my father's house. His disciples remember, when he did this, it said, His disciples remembered, it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. He had zeal for his house, for his father's house. It consumed him. Now, that can't happen if you're not in his household. He sent the son because, like I told you, the law of harvest states that whatever you sow, you're going to harvest. Whatever you plant, you're going to harvest. He sent his son because he wanted children. He wanted children. He wanted children in his household. This is why Jesus is telling him, get that out, my father's household. Get those sacrifices. That's over. Get this out, my, 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 my father's household. And it said, the disciples, the Holy Spirit dropped it on the disciples. Oh, this is what the scriptures meant when it said that his father's, the zeal will consume him. But how did zeal consume him? He was in his father's household not only in heaven, on earth. When he was 12 years old, he was in the temple. He was sitting, listening, and asking questions. His mother came to him and said, why have you abandoned us to come back here? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? We have to be about our father's business. If not, those statistics will continue. He has called us to change the statistics. He was sitting in the temple, listening, sitting, listening, and asking questions. All three of those represent learning. I'm here because I need to learn about my father's household. I need to learn what my father wants me to do. This is why you're here. You're here because you need to hear his household from your household. The purpose of us doing this here is so that this household can become an extension of your household. You're not supposed to only feel the presence when you come here. You should have felt the presence on the way. You should have felt the presence in your house this morning. You should have brought your own fire. You should have brought your own fire. But the reason why we don't have the fire, we don't have the zeal for his household is because we're oblivious to what his household is. His presence is his household. When you were born again, you entered into his household. That's why I say now you can see the kingdom. Now you can see my world. You can understand my world. Before that, you couldn't see it. You can only see this world. So the whole purpose of us doing this, y'all, is to move you into his household. And in his household, the orphan spirit is removed. In his household, the five stages of sonship are taught. I think about my children sometimes. I look at them at their age, and I think, like, I was 12 years old when my parents walked out. And they didn't walk out. Let me stop saying that. They, they didn't walk out. They gave me what they could. My mother was adopted. My mother, full blood Haitian. She's never met none of her, neither one of her parents. She's sixty two years old. Can you imagine living on this earth sixty two years old and you don't know your mother or your father? You have no family. You don't know anyone who looks like you. Anyone who has your last name. You don't know. You know no one with your bloodline. She found out that she was adopted at the age of 17. Immediately took her into drugs. She was on drugs for 25 years. Father was on drugs for 25 years. Both of them been off for for over uh, 15 years now. My father, his father treated him like trash. He was was in the house, but he wasn't in the house. But then, even dealing with that, in talking to my father, Who raised your father? His father. So his father gave him better than his father gave him and he gave me better than his father gave him. So it's not the blame game. We we can't play the blame game. That's why we have to forgive. That's why he said, look, it don't matter what happens in your life, forgive people. Restore them. Because it's not their fault that they were ignorant and unlearned about a situation. It's not your fault that you grew up in that household, that you were introduced to this. I was nine years old when when my family gave me alcohol and drugs. I was 11 when my family, I won't say which one it was, gave me condoms. And told me, go ahead and do that. They gave me alcohol and told me, if you're gonna do it, you might as well do it with us. I'm 11. Satan didn't want me standing here teaching this. He tried to get me then. He tried to get me then. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I'm 19 years old. Watch this. I'm in the seventh grade. I see my mother. And then I don't hear from her again until I'm a freshman in college. That's Satan. That's Satan's agenda of destroying us. If you rewind the time and you just look at your household and how you grew up in your household, you will see the agenda of Satan to stop you in whatever you do. Whatever your call is, you can see him wanting to keep you silent. He didn't want me to have confidence in standing on this mic and stand and hold this mic and teach and speak. He didn't want me to have that confidence. He wanted me to shrink from it because of what I didn't have. He wanted me to stay at beef with my parents forever and never walk into my car. He tried to consume me with the orphan spirit.
1: And so another reason why we do, there's several reasons why we do what we do. But one of the reasons, one of many reasons why we do what we do is that we recognize that depending on whether it was a male figure in your home or your own father, depending on your relationship to that male figure or your father, you relate to the father the same way and it's difficult to pull people out of that and get them to see who the father is to them when you, when you didn't have a great father or you had no father at all it's hard cuz i remember this one time um when we were at Lionheart church in when we were going to Lionheart church i was actually in the um with Tracy in the ministry room, helping people receive the Holy spirit and speaking in tongues. And I remember there was this girl in there and it was, it was just hard for her to get, get tongues. And so while, while I'm just praying under my tongue, uh, praying under my breath in tongues, I'm asking the Holy spirit, like, why, why is this seems so hard? It seems like there's a wall here. I can't get through. And usually this is real easy. And so we stopped what we was doing, and I was just straight up with her. I I said to her, what's preventing you from receiving when I've already told you that this is a gift and you don't have to work for it? I said, what's preventing you from receiving it? Tell me how your relationship was with your father. And so she began to tell me how she was touched, molested, and so I literally, I, we, I literally had to go in almost like a counseling session with her to help her. And she just broke down in tears. And then when that happened, she was able to receive. So there was this, this relationship that she had created in her own mind that because my father violated me, there would be no way that I can look to God as, my, as, as a father to me. Because the picture that has been betrayed of a father has been tainted so it's hard to bring that wall down and allow him to enter in when your natural father didn't do you
0: justice That's right. amen so we're gonna stop right there what we're gonna do is um, what we're gonna do is uh, we're just gonna pray for a second. Um,